Welcome to Automation Advocates, a show where we will talk about automation, manufacturing, and meet some of the personalities that are involved in the industry and get their perspectives. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Thanks, and here's the show. Welcome back. This will be episode 20. Two zero. Justin, Sarah, Charlie, we're all here again. But back, we've got more friends back from to Kansas back. City. Yes. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Cliff and Kelly from Smart Warehousing. How you doing, Cliff? Hey, I'm doing well. Good morning. How's, how's it going with the crew? Super. Good. Super. Happy to have you Friday here. Friday morning. Yeah. <laughs> Always awesome. So, so, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, we, we, we talked a little bit before, so I've got an unfair advantage of knowing a little bit here, but... Uh, Give us the give us the super high level preview of what uh, smart warehousing is, and and we're talking about a company, not necessarily just a trend or a term, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. g- give us kind of that little bit of that flavor of what you guys are up to, uh, and we'll dig in a little deeper. Right. So, smart warehousing. We're a third party logistics company. Uh, been around for twenty one years. This month is actually our twenty uh, first uh, birthday. Um, founded by Carl Washinger. Um, and we've traditionally been in the uh, warehousing and 3PL business, but recently we started to make the transition uh, towards becoming a technology um, company. And we're building a platform uh, that we're going to start to sell to our customers that offers you know, effortless visibility and has some really, really good. Um, it solves a lot of problems for a lot of uh, 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 supply chain leadership. And that's really the transition that we're making. And we're also developing our own products to harden within our warehouses, uh, within our warehousing network that we will then provide to our, our other customers. So when you guys started as a logistics provider, did you have a different platform or did you kind of, the company said, Hey, we're going to roll our own. And I, I asked that knowing like on the MES side, the SCADA side where, where we live most of the time in, in factory floors, you hear a lot of customers start out like we built our own in VB6, right? And and then it kind of becomes this thing over time. Is that kind of what you guys started out as, or did you see a problem uh, to what you had and went, we have to do better? Uh, that's exactly what happened. Um, we uh, so uh, Carl started the company and then noted needed we as we got more and more complex and got more and more warehouses, we, there was a recognition that we needed a system to support. Uh, the fulfillment life cycle, right? So uh, we started to build and piece together and stitch together pieces of a WMS. So we have a proprietary WMS that we utilize to run all of our warehouses. And then it got to a point where we realized that, um, and that's the more recent transition, where we realized like, hey, we uh, we need to revamp this and bring this to the next level. And that's really uh, the latest push for technology that we've been building out as of late with uh, integrations with different various pieces of automation, uh, preparing preparing out our what we're calling the vendor marketplace and really pushing us into the future into the cloud and then offering that platform to others who 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 also need uh, WMS and a visibility platform into supply chain. Excellent. So is it a hardware and a software solution, Cliff, that you guys are bringing to the market? Uh, we bring software with hardware integrations pre-baked. Okay. Hmm. Can you give an example to that? Are you using like an IO, uh, IO link uh, platform or, I mean, how far out do, into the hardware space do you get? That's my background is hard, hardware games. All right. So in terms of, uh, integrate in terms of integrations with automation providers, mm-hmm. uh, there, you know, there are 
different protocols that we can utilize based upon the uh, the vendor themselves. We have we have a uh, socket socket connections. We have a uh, uh, JSON REST uh, integrations that mm-hmm. we utilize as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a uh, it's really it's really a uh, vendor it's really vendor. Um, Agnostic. It really depends on the vendor. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. It really depends on the vendor, mm-hmm. and uh, we we provide those integrations, and then we we provide those integrations to them. We harden that within our warehouses, and then uh, we sell that to our customers. And is it fair to say that majority of the solutions that you help integrate are something that you've already kind of tested in house before you go outside? Exactly. Yeah. Good. You eat your own dog food. Exactly. Yeah. Good deal. Well, in, in looking at your website, I, I know there were a couple of statistics that kind of jumped out, right? It was 99.7% on-time shipping and 99.8% accuracy. What what kind of contributes to those sorts of rates? Because I think that's that seems pretty darn good, right? Like that's that's exceptional. Yeah, yeah it's it's, uh, it's industry it's industry leading. Uh, and we, but we want to take that to the next level, and then provide that for not only our own internal warehouses, but any fulfillment, uh, any fulfillment company, right? So, what contributes to that is one of the things that w- one of my uh, key tenants and a part of my domain is what I call effortless visibility, right? So, if you can see any the status of any order, um, the status of inventory at any point in time, then that gives you the ability to understand what's going on uh, within your fulfillment network, right? And then another layer on top of that is we have we're, we're developing machine learning models based upon these key data points and KPIs that can that can preemptively tell you like hey you're going to have an issue here in a couple of days in a couple of hours or whatever and then also uh, instant alerts and notifications within the fulfillment network that uh, that helps us achieve our high inventory accuracy and high on time delivery. And one of those issues that you kind of predict, or you're going to stock out of something, or you're going to you're going to have a, a conveyor failure. I mean, what what level of uh, preventative or uptime may maintenance or visibility you're providing? All that or some of it? Gotcha. So we're we're focused mainly on the um, mainly on the fulfillment side, but yep. in, when it comes to automation, right? You you have your um, MTBF, right? Yep. Um, for pieces of, for pieces of equipment uh, that would typically be supplied by the, uh, the the vendor or the master PLC. Yep. Uh, we communicate that information and we, we definitely we definitely have the channels to communicate that from the automation itself into our alerts and notification system. Super. And I know we talked about some of the you know the interaction with things like AMRs and uh, being able to, you know, make sure that two people aren't headed to pick the same object, right? And, and yeah. Charlie's favorite time of the year is inventory, just for those at home <laughs> playing along. He Dude. loves when he's Dude. locked in that warehouse no. for three days, no. I'm, counting individual no. screws and no. light bulbs. I'm hiring it out this year. I'm going to have two people, two random strangers show up so I can be in Breckenridge. Yeah. You know, oh, you don't like cycle counting. No, I no. think it's stupid. <laughs> Plus, it's the it's the slowest week of the year, and you make me come home for that. Like, come on, man! I'm already eight hours away. This year, I'm gonna be in Kansas City, and then I'm like, wow, why don't I just blast west for the for the Rockies? I'll look you up, Cliff. All right. <laughs> so when when, we, when you talk about effortless, and and I think about you know, let's let's talk about our our day jobs, right? Which is factory automation and it's uh machine building distribution right yep so 
Charlie's got a warehouse, and I don't know how many square feet. It's it's big enough, right? Yeah. And there's bins and stuff all over. You know, is there is there savings potentially in kind of that inventory tracking as you use one of these, you know, WMS systems as well? Does that, that does that help us get closer to correct easier? Of course, of course, of course, of course. Um, so uh, I guess more rudimentary style uh, inventory tracking systems are using probably Excel or paper. Um, but when you when you start to when you start to migrate over into a WMS, you really have a system of record that's always um, up to date. And then one of the benefits of the system that we're that we're building is it's a it's event based and event based architecture. That means that we have we don't only just have the latest state, um, we track state over time, right? So that can give us that gives us trends that gives us um, uh, various characteristics about a particular warehouse or a warehousing network that uh, allows us to gather further insights, right? Like if we can tell if one particular warehouse has trouble over time versus just that it has trouble right now, right? And that's that. Uh, that's what that event-driven event, uh, event, event architecture um, buys us. And in terms of inventory accuracy, uh, in, ter- in terms of inventory accuracy with the WMS, you that definitely does drive up uh, accuracy in that term because if you start to make every single uh, action with inventory transactional and you're utilizing the WMS to, uh, to track that every, it becomes more process driven and, and things, things don't tend to be misplaced because you're following the pro- the WMS forces you to follow the process of, of taking action with a particular piece of inventory. So Wait. does the WMS in an event-based perspective, does that put a kind of a date of arrival on every item so then you can monitor age, which I would think would be very critical to your, you know, spoilable food-based warehousing customers? Yes. Exactly. Yep. Right. If a product has a shelf life uh, and we receive that in, then that shelf life gets applied to that product. And, we and you know, we track lots, uh, serial numbers and things of that nature to, to help ease fulfillment. You know what what makes me think a lot about this, and we, you know, with our last uh, phone-in guest here, we talked a little bit about some of the tracking of things like vaccines and vials, and, you know, I've, I've worked in past lives where we're tracking temperature on some of those coolers. I think, you know, here's a system that, you know, we, we already have the location now, but now we can start to go, aha, I've got it. And, and I think the unique aspect that you mentioned, too, is being able to look at multiple sites right so if i've got a site in memphis and i've got a site in denver and i've got one in san diego now i can kind of compare and contrast and i worked with a customer once where you uh you drooled on the little stick and it could tell you whether or not you had the flu which was okay but then you put that in the machine and then that phoned home to the cloud to the cdc and it would say "Ooh." I see a flu outbreak happening in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, and now activate yeah. WMS, right, and, yeah. and start hauling all that stuff where it needs to be. Is that? I mean, that that's kind of the dream, right? Right. So you bring up a, a very good point, and that's definitely the, the direction that the industry is moving is the IoT, uh, bringing mm-hmm. IoT within the warehouses, right? Yep. So you brought up uh, temperature tracking. So that's really one of our specialties at Smart Warehousing is a uh, cold chain fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a lot of frozen and refrigerated. Uh, uh, inventory fulfillment for uh, our customers, and with with IoT, that brings us the capability, and as well as our event based um, uh, archi- event driven architecture, is that we can uh, we have we have the ability to integrate 
IoT sensors, Bluetooth sensors that track temperature over time, where product is in the warehouse, and we're working on uh, these types of concepts. And even when they, and even when a product ships, uh, we can we we know if it goes above uh, regulation temperatures, if it if it goes out of temp, and then uh, we can say, oh hey, this is this is a, a bad shipment, or the carrier didn't do something here, the reaper trailer is not a suspect, or anything of that nature. But definitely bringing IoT within the um, the warehouses as a layer to that effortless visibility that I was speaking about earlier. Where we you, integrate all these different data points together to stitch a holistic vision. Wow, so you're going, Are you? am I hearing you right? You're going outside the warehouse too then? You're getting into the reefer truck? I don't... Are you are you are you tracking the inventory beyond the the departure of the warehouse and you're you're getting into the reefer truck as well? Is that what I caught there? Uh, no, at this point in time, no, okay. we're not we're not doing that at this point in time. But IoT is coming yes. within a uh, supply chain yes. to yeah. do those types of capabilities. Yes, agreed. Yep, yep, yep. So, talking about the event driven thing, uh, there was a photo on your website, right? And it looked like the Spider Man. The uh, and I'm putting out my wrists like I'm a, I'm gonna web sling right. Talk talk to us a little bit about what those wearables were. Um, oh, gotcha. And we can we can try to link this in the show notes too. Um, but it was definitely a two handed wearable thing, mm-hmm. and this guy was packed and ready to roll. Really? Yeah, yep. I'll try to pull it yep. up here too. So uh, that goes to uh, picking strategy, right? So AMRs are autonomous mobile robots is what an AMR is, yep. and that's a uh, that assists you within your uh, your picking operation, right? Yep. But that's not always that's not always the answer, and that's not going to be always be the answer for some of our customers as well. They may not want to uh, do the capital investment up front for uh, for a system like that, or they may have an environment that's not suitable for a um, for an AMR, right? Like if you're in a freezer or a uh, refrigerator, uh, AMRs. Uh, companies typically don't like to put their robots in those type of environments because they break down. Sure. Right. Yep. So if you if you if you have more more of a manual uh, driven process, what we what we've built and provided is uh, something that we're calling a smart pick internally, and that's basically a software uh, directed picking software on the person with a pick validation as well at the same time. So that's that uh that's that uh Spider Man image <laughs> that Justin was talking about. It has a scanner on one hand and a, um, essentially a mobile device on the other. And we've built, we've built software on that mobile device to be able to direct the person for the optimal picking path and and to pick and um, and scan all the items on a particular uh, order to be fulfilled. Wow. Are you we're, in, we're gathering are you... all types of KPIs and uh, metrics off of that for the analytics, similar to what we would do for an AMR uh, deployment. Nice. Are you in any verticals like uh, agriculturally? Like uh, I've got a good friend that has uh, a family business that has several egg laying barns around the United States. So they have the birds and then they bring the eggs in and they make decisions on how to bring those eggs to market. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see how smart warehousing would be of advantageous for them to deploy and get higher resolution on all their finished goods, which are the eggs. And, gotcha. Uh, yeah, that looks so great. Yep, I'm seeing a Spider-Man so, uh, photo. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So what, what we're uh, we're working right now on hardening, uh, finishing hardening that solution, so we can bring it to market to be able to provide it to um, various different verticals. Like um, it should be. We're, we're, our hope is that it's um, 
if it's multiple use cases and and that um and based on the market research that we've already done, like if there's definitely a need for it within the industry. Oh yeah. Do you have a favorite industry that you've uh, improved, Cliff, in your in your tenure there? Uh, favorite industry that I've improved? So yeah, warehouse example. Yeah. As a three PO, we 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 kind of touch many different types of products and many different vertical. Um, we and that's one of the that's one of the challenges of automation. So as my role as director of innovation and automation, right, I can't just build a solution that just fits one company or product profile, right? I have to build something that that spans across a variety of product profiles and not just for what we have right now, what we could potentially have in the future. Yeah. It's right? gotta, it's gotta be able to evolve and be flexible. Yep. It, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, that requires a certain amount of, um, standardization mm-hmm. as well as a certain amount of, uh, I'm going to say standardization and not too much specialization, uh, with everything that we build. Right. So, uh, in terms of my particular product, in terms of my particular uh, product, Smart Pick that we've uh, developed, I know it's really helped us. <clears throat> it's really helped us in our, um, I'm gonna say, our food and beverage um, that we have mm-hmm. uh, in, in our warehouses because there's lot consideration, there's lot number considerations, uh, things age out, and then that that really just helps us from a um, compared to a manual picking perspective, just to make sure that we're picking the right product and delivering to our customers. And typically those have uh, multiple lines on a, on a, on a given order. Mm-hmm. And it just helps, it just helps us, it just helps us uh, fulfill faster and fulfill more accurately. Fantastic. So, you know, I, we always tease Sarah about, you know, nobody wakes up and wants to start on a two year CAD transformation. Um, and I Is that think what we do. Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, what what got you into warehousing, right? At what point did you wake up and go, man, boxes on shelves? <laughs> okay, um, so I went to college for uh, aerospace engineering, right? I yeah. wanted to I wanted to be a NASA guy, uh, yeah. and then uh, masters uh, with systems engineering, and then my first job was in uh, software. Oh, and during my uh, during my tenure in college, I went to a hackathon that was uh, sponsored by Google. Oh yeah, cool. And uh, during that hackathon, I was like, "Software is where I want to be." Okay. Like, it 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 really just resonated with me and Google. That whole experience they sponsored, they provided a lot of. We got to see a lot of cool tech, and they uh, and I got to interact with a lot of the folks that worked there. And I was like, "Yeah, this is this is it for me." Like, I like this compared to compared to some some of the things I saw in the aerospace industry. It just seemed more vibrant at the time yeah and, uh so i was like yeah i'm making the shift Agile. And, that's, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's just pretty and i mean it's working working like fortran fortran wasn't my favorite language either right and that's pretty <laughs> 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 man that's that's pretty revenant that's pretty revenant over there in uh, aerospace but um but i decided to make the transition there and then i ended up getting a job with a software company that supported uh, that wrote the WMS and supported the WMS and automation for a major food and beverage retailer here in the U.S., um, like one of the biggest in the world. Yeah. Uh, and so um, so I really got the experience there. And over time, I became the lead, uh, lead of the auto- – I became the lead of automation for there, for the automation integration. So, you know, ASRS, uh, forklift AGVs, conveyor PLCs, um, I'm trying to think now there there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of just different uh 
different uh, automation um, technologies that uh, I had to integrate with, and then also really learn how to how warehousing uh, works and how to build an optimal warehouse and things that you need to know and track from there. And then from there, I made the transition into my role at Smart Warehousing and uh, really bringing a lot of my expertise from that experience role here and also learning a lot here as well. Mm-hmm. Well, so, go, ahead. go ahead. I have a question. I've been quiet the entire time. Thank you. <laughs> now that you have this passion for boxes, is that what you said, Justin? <laughs> yes. um, in, in looking through your content, tell us more about you have an innovation hub. It sounds like you have an area that you can bring customers to. Right? Uh, tell us so, more about that to get their passion going in this area. Right. So our innovation hub is an initiative that I oversee where basically we try to bring in we try to bring in, you know, startups, companies that maybe that maybe don't have uh, exact fit or use cases within the warehouse. And we try it out and we try to harden it within our warehouses to see if it's if it's good to go for a network wide deployment. And then that'll if it, if that process works out, that'll become a part of our vendor marketplace on our platform that we're building to be able to sell to other uh, fulfillment companies. Right. So what we'll do is we'll uh, we we offer an environment, a learning environment for both us and mm-hmm. other companies to say, hey, will your product work? Does this truly does this truly work before we before we go on with the full on investment? Uh, basically, a partnership that we build at that level, um, and then based upon based upon the results of the analysis within our warehousing, we basically say, hey, our warehouse is a testing bed for you to prove out your technology and for us to see if your technology will benefit us. So it's a mutualistic relationship, oh, and then as a part of that. As a part of that, any customers that want to that want want smart warehousing to fulfill for them, they can come in and see the cool technology that we're implementing at various points and say, "Yep, I want I need this technology to help to help me be successful to help to help smart, smart warehousing help me be successful." And then we just progress through and get that deployed throughout our network. It's a very uh, it's been very beneficial so far. We've seen some great gains from a um, from a uh, from the system that. Uh, that we've set up uh, for our innovation hub. And it's been really exciting for our customers to come in and see it. And, uh, and the partnerships that we've built have been mutually beneficial. Excellent. So do you, we're just a tag back to last episode 19 uh, that came out last week uh, or this week, excuse me. It was all about real time uh, asset tracking. And mm-hmm. so um, generally warehouses are, the item is scanned when it goes and gets put on a shelf and then scanned when it's picked off, are you also tracking the asset depending on the value of it um, after you've scanned it, put it on a shelf so that you can kind of have an, an ongoing confirmation that you know where it is if the asset's value requires that? Gotcha. So there's been uh, some technologies that we've been looking at to fit that exact use case. So mm-hmm. we don't have anything, we don't have that deployed just yet, mm-hmm. but I've been on the innovation side, I've been mm-hmm. looking at various technologies in terms of, um, 3D spatial tracking, yep. 3D spatial trackers on uh, on pallet boards that will mm-hmm. give us that type of visibility. I've also been um, been looking at uh, various drone technologies that can fly throughout the warehouse and then take a picture of the inventory as it sits on the shelf and then validate that that inventory is still there. And we're working we're working to try to get uh, some of those within our innovation hub very mm-hmm. shortly here, actually. So it's, it's funny you should mention that because it's definitely on the the forefront. It's definitely on the front of my mind and my team's mind to get something like that in there. Yeah, shout out to Koopa, uh, Q-U-U-P-P-A. That's uh, who we talked to last week. And, um, okay. man, that's some cool stuff, man. Just check it out. 
I want to yeah. fly drones in a warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you had me at drone. Um, what, and, and what's interesting too, and, and I think about, and I don't know how old you are or when you graduated from school, but I think about in our career time, none of this was real, right? Mm-mm. 20 years ago, 25 yeah. years ago when we started, it was, I got a clipboard paper pencil. and I'm going to write this thing down and I'm going to like, that's how you did everything. And, and thinking about, as you talked about, Hey, we went from that to maybe some conveyors and barcodes to vertical AMRs, warehousing. The yeah, the what is it, the auto store stuff, mm-hmm. and now you've AMR. got forklifts that drive themselves, right? Like what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because nobody wants to drive a forklift. I mean, it's cool <laughs> after the first like you know for the first twenty minutes, and after you're like, jeez. But now slow. we've got drones. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. so yeah. in. Well, and forklifts are always drifting, and you don't always want to be drifting. You know, it's kind of yeah. hanging that back out there. You're like, oh, it didn't look to my right. Speed control, speed control. No, and, and part of me wonders with all the data you're collecting, how are you helping your customers understand what to do with it? I mean, I think of the clipboard days and you would walk into Bob's office and there was just file cabinets of sheets of previous years of inventory. Totally. That Bob retired, we just threw away. Yeah, so, I'm going to make a prediction that Cliff and Smart Warehousing is saying, hey man, you pick this item four times a week. It should be near the people's like shipping point. And the, this item, the other way, you pick it once a year. Put it in the hole. Right, Cliff? You're well, doing that, right? Yeah, but yeah, like, but yeah, customers get overwhelmed. You, you, all they hear is data, data, data. Oh, totally. I'm going to need how many yeah. servers? I got to store the data. I got to use it. How do you help them yeah. narrow down and make action on the data you're giving them? Good question. Right. So uh, as a part of our visibility platform, what we're doing is we're surfacing very, uh, very, very uh, uh, high-level KPIs that uh, uh, supply chain leadership is asked for, right? So the biggest ask that we always hear when we talk to different um, different brands, different aggregators within supply chain is that I want visibility into what's going on with uh, with my products within the warehouses, right? So as a part of those conversations, there are various KPIs that they that they want to see. They want to know how many orders are late. How they want to know orders late by by particular brands. They want to know orders late by warehouses and 3PLs, right? So as we gather all that data, we level up. We uh, we bubble up those KPIs that they want to see. Mm-hmm. And then as a part of that, we're also doing a natural language processing engine where um, where they can type in like, hey, I want to see how many orders were late last month. They can yeah. literally type that in English and then that'll come up to them oh, wow. as, a, uh, as a graph and a metric. Right? Oh, so you can search your results with just normal questions. Oh, Correct. wow. Yeah, that's, that's the thing I learned so, about this week that is coming to, to a lot of different data sources. Mm-hmm. My favorite yeah. one I got was the cat I was hanging out with Two nights ago, CircuitGen founder, he's like, we give you the ability to search your DNA. So you can, like, type the question in, should I eat pineapple? And he'd be like, yeah, you know what? You've got this this little strand out here in the middle of your DNA strand. You probably shouldn't eat pineapple. It's going to cause you a lot of gas. I don't know if that happens. but Right? That's the questions you're getting to. So then I got a question for you. You're tracking all these KPIs, key performance initiative, right? Or indicator? Which side? Indicator. 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 Thank you. Indicator. Yep. And then for those of you that were listening earlier, uh, MTBF mean time befe- between failure. Um, we got to help out uh, Henry out in Kansas City who doesn't always play with automation. Anyway. Gotcha. Um, so Cliff, are you also correlating the amount of steps um, warehouse employee number one takes versus warehouse employee number thirty-four over the same shift, so that you can either 
optimize their routing as well? I mean, you're in our meetings, I swear, man. (laughs) (laughs) I told you I had people in Kansas City. Come on. (laughs) So, uh, yes. uh, So with the the mobile devices that we were talking about earlier, uh, we track a lot of... um, a lot of different uh, data points. So one being steps, uh, another being scan, scan efficiency. Um, so what that what that gives us is, so we know the locations where we're directing folks to go. Like okay? a heat map. Um, and we have maps, we have virtual maps mm-hmm. of our warehouses and we know we know where the product is in our warehouses. So what what that kind of gives us is an average of steps over steps over time, just like you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, we also have machine learning algorithms to kind of bunch our orders together in a certain way where we can create the most efficient route within our warehouse to get the most amount of orders fulfilled for a single person based upon how many people we have working that day, mm-hmm. um, based on the labor the labor force for that, for a particular time period. And over time, what that, what that drives us to is uh, more efficient pick, more efficient uh, pick, more efficient pick walks, uh, and and we get we get a higher number of orders fulfilled for our customers, so overall customer satisfaction goes up as well, right? And then another key feature that we're bringing to the table is uh, gamification. Is that so we can we can see who our who our highest pickers, who our highest performing pickers are, yeah. and then offer mm-hmm. offer low gifts, offer low gifts, and everything. Oh, that. I love it! I love it. Don't let back, you lose. Oh, if you let me lose, I got an idea for you, Cliff. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna flip your head here. And then back to the uh, previous question a bit is like, how do you bubble up uh, mm-hmm. those, those charts and those metrics? Um, we have curated views as well. We have curated mm-hmm. views, but then we also provide kind of a sandbox environment for our customers so where they can okay. develop their own um, their own uh, uh, charts and metrics that they like to see alongside the, uh, the natural language processor. So the user, but, the user experience or the user interface is somewhat flexible for the, the customer that, that purchases your solutions? Uh, flexible in the terms of uh, there is there is a particular there is a particular environment where they can create for power users to create their own mm-hmm. uh, reports that they like to see. Right? Cool. So you, you said you were going to flip my head here. Well, okay. So I I have a real tough time going to a professional sporting event and paying a hundred dollars a head, or you know, if you sit forty yard line, you're paying two hundred bucks a head, and I think it's. I think it's a terrible experience. Um, we, as a society in the United States, have uh, somehow um, decided that we're going to uh, supplement billionaires and build stadiums. And, mm-hmm. you know, all that politics aside, I still have this terrible experience where I go to Arrowhead or I go to uh, U.S. Bank. Um, and the the overwhelming thing is, is when you get up to go get your concession, um, it the the corridors are not big enough it's there's there's lines coming from both sides and it inevitably you have your child with you or a, or a friend or a customer and you lose them um and and then you're searching for your friend or customer and then your or your kid worse yet and then you you, you spill you know the the cheese for the nachos on the way back which again hasn't evolved since 1986 and it's like come on so here's my idea you have <clears throat> 85,000 locations in uh, the U.S. Bank Stadium, right? Everybody knows where you're sitting. It's on your damn phone, and you you can order food. So why can't you have gamify uh, Susie to bring out your hot dog with the mustard <laughs> on it 
to your location and you got your you know you got your smart warehousing spider-man gear right so you know <laughs> that that uh susie picked the right tray that she mm-hmm. she got it at the right temperature and then you mm-hmm. brought it to me and i have i've received it because you you're bluetooth in that tray and you're saying oh charlie's got his phone He's in section six, row seven, seat 10. Boom. I don't have to miss anything. I can sit there and enjoy myself more. I probably pay more. I probably tip Mm -hmm. Susie. And I have a better experience within this environment. And I'm willing to pay $10 for a hot dog that costs you Mm -hmm. $1.50 to make. And I don't have to stand in line. And so that's, that's what I want in, you know, there was, there was thoughts of it at Levi mm. Stadium in San Francisco, but not all of us are 49er fans. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why can't the stadium be seen as a warehouse? Mm-hmm. And how flexible is your platform to, I mean, is that is that possible? Could you kind of invert, invert your model and you look at it as an outbound to just, <laughs> not just docks and it not does. just pallets of gear, I'm talking about sending out a 86, meal. 86,000 docks. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so then uh, the question would become, are we talking about discrete uh, order picking for individual customers? So as soon as you only carry in one order, if uh-huh. that's the case, then folks are going to be waiting for a while to get their orders. Right. Um, or is she or is she batching those and doing those in waves where she's she's um, she's bringing orders for 20 people at a time. Yeah, right? she's going to section six and seven. They're right next door to each other and she's just passing food down and forth. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Uh, no, that definitely can be digitized. Right. And uh, that. That seems that seems like a good idea at the forefront. Is it in in practice? I've seen a lot of automation concepts. Uh, not a lot. I've seen a, a bit of automation concepts that um, theoretically sound good, but in practice uh, were less efficient than um, than theorized. Right? Sure. So uh, it just got to be. I think that the idea has merit. Just gotta be, just gotta be solid about how you, uh, how you go about implementing that. Oh, totally. Uh, Maybe you just roll it out to the premium seats. You know, if if you're sitting between the forties, then you can get uh, automated delivery. Isn't that club level? Yeah, club level. (laughs) They don't even have it at club level. I mean, even get a drone to drop it off. Right. Exactly. Don't they have the blimp at the hockey games that drops the? No, I met this. I met this cat from. I met this cat at this innovation summit this past week. I should have his name in front of me, but I don't. He has a drone, no moving parts. It just uses electrons to create lift, kind of like satellites do. That's fake. It's not fake. Uh, it's a I, so it sounds like an ion engine, which yeah. is what um, a lot of the a lot of deep so aerospace. See, aerospace is, man here. Cliff <laughs> just validated me. You guys are nice. Where's my propeller? <laughs> it has to be. Justin's but like, no, those, are, those are typically very, very low thrust uh, to start off, and then they increase over time. So in the vacuum of space, it starts off very slow and then goes faster and faster and faster and can last for a long amount of time because you have a – it's a very um, – it's not greedy with the propellant, right? Correct. So, But in on on Earth, uh, here on the surface on Earth, in Earth's atmosphere, I – I haven't seen that. That sounds very, very interesting. I'd be very interested to see that. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I'll send you some info after the show. I, I'll find it. It's in my suitcase. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It'd be fun Perfect. to chat about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm intrigued now. All right. All right. <laughs> so maybe the direct to seat is a stretch, but you know, one of the things, and I think this probably, I don't, I don't think it is because well, it he's be. gamified it. And if you gamify something, and then you offer incentive in terms of cash, 
Those self-interests are going to align. People are going to be... It's going to be bringing back the guy who used to throw the peanuts at uh, at Fenway. Like, have you ever been to Fenway? Mm-hmm. No. Dude, at Fenway, the peanut guy has an arm equal to the probably the third <laughs> baseman. I mean, I've seen him gap sections. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you ever been to the... Was it the Appleton... Timber Rattlers, the minor league baseball team. No. So Appleton's in eastern Wisconsin. Of course we haven't. Yeah. Probably about 1,500 seats, give or take. As you drive past the stadium, they advertise a bratwurst cannon. Oh, yeah. There you go. Who needs T-shirts when you can load up a bratwurst (laughs) and give that a... Open your mouth and we'll hit it. But back to the the stadium seats, I'm assuming you guys are getting hit up all the time for direct-to-consumer stuff, right? Whether that's from a, you know, right out of your your 3PL or from a a major CPG, right? Like, that's the trend. How do I order, you know, I think about snacks.com, right, PepsiCo. I want my Doritos, my Cheetos, a thing of Diet Pepsi, and some Mountain Dew because that's awesome. It it feels like the same thing. Are are you guys addressing that direct-to-consumer pretty heavy? Yeah, so what we're uh, we're doing is, uh, so uh, what the industry as a whole is doing as well is uh, moving towards the micro fulfillment center model, the MFC mm-hmm. model, to get uh, to get products, get high velocity products closer to consumers. So to cut down on delivery time and del- and last mile delivery time and last mile delivery cost, right? So what what that requires though is a lot of data uh, to be able to make those uh, decisions about which products need to go where to satisfy the customers. And then also uh, what product profile makes sense, right? Because if the product's too big and you can only fit like 10 and within the warehouse, within a warehouse space, within a, a warehouse pallet rack, then maybe that doesn't make sense as, as much sense, right? Uh, to, to move that product. But yes, we are, um, we are working on uh, uh, that model on the micro fulfillment center uh, model to get our products closer to our end consumers. But we also do uh, direct to consumer fulfillment for our customers as well today. But uh, we're trying to we're trying to make that even better than where it is right now. How do you uh, prevent the the biggest frustration my wife has with like uh, when she orders something from Target.com? Um, for instance, she got school supplies this year from Target.com, and mm-hmm. they'll send out one thing in a box and then three things in a box, and it's like. I'm like, honey, they probably came from two different warehouses. Like, you, you really can't get upset about the box thing. I mean, I'm sure they're working on it, but at the end of the day, they got you the stuff. You didn't have to go the two miles, saved your two yeah. miles. It probably traveled so, further than she did, but or would have. But yeah. So order consolidation. Yes. Right. So uh, as we, so that's that's so understanding understanding your products, right? So that goes back to the data side. Mm-hmm. So what products are typically bought together? And uh, making sure that those are stored within the same facility, mm-hmm. right, or even the same micro fulfillment center, right. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, as a part of our data collection on our products, what we do is we uh, we track the dimensions of those products now, and we have an mm-hmm. algorithm uh, on the back end that says, okay, for this order, we know we have all of these products. These products are this size. We have an algorithm based upon our um, our our uh, corrugate our mm-hmm. shipping box catalog that hey, it needs to go into this box. Yep. So that we save on our shipping, so that we're not we're not shipping two packages to fulfill an order if we don't have to. Yep. Right. So that cuts down on our costs, and we pass those savings along to our customers. Right. Sure. So, so are, are you, how, how, how? Go ahead. 
was I say with that, then are you capturing what is it? The carbon footprint isn't to be able to say you're reducing emissions, you're reducing carbon footprint. Isn't there a trend now that if I buy something, it says only how needed. much? Yeah. Are you going that far uh, yet, Cliff? Uh, so I don't have the exact carbon footprint. Um, I don't have the exact carbon footprint saving, mm-hmm. but I do know, uh, I can say that for our cold chain fulfillment, right? We're moving towards more greener, um, mm-hmm. more greener, uh, cooler types, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with EPS, we're yep. moving away from, uh, EPS into more greener, uh, greener styles of, uh, maintaining temp for our frozen and refrigerated products. What do you do about mixing like guacamole with chips so you, in the same box so you don't have more chips show up than you ordered? <laughs> you know, when that guacamole smashes that bag of chips, do, 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 does your algorithm tell well, your, your packager that they need to put a partition in there? Or how, I mean, how sophisticated so, is it in terms of the last, uh, the packaging aspect of it all? So, uh, we, so all of our, all, almost all of our orders get packed with, um, with dunnage, uh, to make sure that the products are protected, mm-hmm. right? Um, whether that's bubble wrap, whether that's paper, whether that's, um, uh, uh, pellets, yeah. uh, uh, we, it depends on the, it depends on the order and the product. And we also track whether a product is fragile or not and whether it needs to go onto the, uh, the bottom of the top of the, uh, of the, uh, of the package. So do you give the, do you give every product like a value in terms of, uh, strength or fragility or? Yeah, so there are a couple of attributes that we uh, that we track. Um, we have the shape, we have the dimensions, we have whether it's a uh, cuboidal or um, cuboidal or not, um, or oblong or anything like that. We also are uh, moving to track the surface type because what we want to do is we want to move to a more automatic uh, picking uh, solution yep. for it, where a robot can do it versus a person. So we need to understand those types of things, right? And then the, uh, the fragility. So there, there are a couple of, quite a few attributes. I can't think of them all off the top of my head, but I have it documented somewhere where we're, we're, uh, we're moving to track all of these things so that we can integrate these different types of solutions. Beautiful. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. No, it isn't. It's, it's, it's smart warehousing. It's in the name. Well, it's not crazy <laughs> warehousing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, right. He's got the shirt on. He's it. got the shirt. The binary shirt. Well, and and you had mentioned when we had talked before that this is uh, the 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 platform you're kind of rebuilding, right? Is going to be cloud focused, right? So I'm assuming that Mm -hmm. probably lowers the cost of acquisition for smaller people, right? So I think about Mm -hmm. you. You mentioned startups and other things like that. Um, Does that does that help you out at all, or what, what? What's the cloud gain in us? Oh, cloud. Oh man. So, uh, having, having come from a world where everything was uh, on prem and we managed servers that saves a lot of infrastructure costs and, uh, speed to implementation time. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, we can deliver, we can deliver quicker for our customers and for our needs as a company software, uh, products for our customers and our software needs much faster without, uh, without worrying about managing servers, updating, um, uh, updating packages uh, and all of that, all of that fun stuff. That's quite, that's not quite so fun with the, uh, with the cloud these days. And the cloud enables you to connect multiple warehouses, I'm assuming as well, or more efficiently. Yep. 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 Super. Do you have any, um, any understanding in terms of your customer mix as far as those that make and put right into a warehouse and then make shipments versus people that uh, maybe are more of a distribution uh, model? 
I don't I don't quite understand the question. Could you ask it? Okay, again, so please? yeah, back to my friend that makes eggs, right? So he's got mm-hmm. six million birds. They're making an egg every twenty two to twenty six hours. So he's kind of a manufacturer with a warehouse who then has mm-hmm. a bunch of customers who ships out both uh, internal and external customers. Versus um, my mortgage paying job, as I like to call it, we're just a big distributor. We've got mm-hmm. you know a bunch of inventory. We have thousands of customers. They send orders in. We ship them out. We take in material from multiple sources and manufacturers. Oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we do. We do both, right? Yep. So, uh, direct, direct from, uh, direct from manufacturers, or uh, we take direct from multiple manufacturers for a given brand or aggregator, right? Mm-hmm. And then we also we also work with uh, smaller, I guess, smaller shops who are just their own manufacturer, yep. and then we do their fulfillment for them. Right. Excellent. So we, we, we do we do it all. We, yep. we, we take the filament off your hands and then uh, get the products where they need to be. Fantastic. Cool. Sarah, what do you want to play with? Anything uh, anything Clifton's got for you? Do you guys want to get into your argument about barbecue yet? You promised that. I've been really waiting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like Kansas City's right on the dividing line. It's uh, Yeah, but Clifton, you're you're from not from Kansas City initially, right? No, I'm from Florida. Yeah, so you've got a, a hybrid uh, uh, palate, I'm guessing. Uh, I I thought I knew I thought I knew barbecue. I thought uh, I knew enough, and I've been all over the country uh, mm-hmm. just doing the various automation installments. And I got to say, Kansas City is up there when it comes yeah. to barbecue. Yeah, I, shout out I, to the local pig and all the other folks there in Kansas City. Do you have a favorite in Kansas City? Jack uh, Stack. Jack Stack. Is my favorite right now. Those uh, those burn ins, those burn ins, and those uh, baby backs. I, I, every time, every time I'm out there, I travel up there probably about once a month mm-hmm. uh, to meet with my team and have various meetings, and um, I make sure to hit that spot every time with some uh, potato salad and baked beans. That nice. was the first place I had burnt ends as well, and after that, I was like, game over. It's it. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, 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 yeah, you're right. I yeah. Cool. I've tried. I've tried a couple of barbecue spots in other places. Another renowned uh, barbecue specialist, and I think I think uh, Kansas City comes on top. Really, even over. I mean, there's a lot of spray going out about how great Austin is for all their competitive uh, barbecue, and then I mean, you can't go wrong with what Memphis or Nashville either. Mm-hmm. So I, I was in Memphis for an automation installment, probably about five years ago mm-hmm. uh, I had to travel through there to go to uh, Arkansas mm-hmm. and um, I tried the barbecue out there uh, the plot the place was even on TV mm-hmm. and I was it I wasn't severely impressed and then I was in uh, I was in Dallas probably about uh, a couple of months ago tried the barbecue out there and uh, I had I had already had KC barbecue and I know Texas barbecues yeah you know they're yeah they're uh, yeah fighting brothers up there but yeah. uh casey came out on top for me in that yeah. in that in that one too yeah so, i i think this um, is what we should be fighting over not natural resources <laughs> there you go <laughs> Best barbecue. that's the peace nick in me well and then it's the sides yeah. is it green beans baked beans cornbread right i don't know coleslaw <laughs> and, and potato salad like on top of it like there's that uh yeah. what's that sandwich in pittsburgh where they just served it all to you at once so it's french fries and coleslaw and the meat all in one. The garbage, garbage. It starts with a P. The yeah. poutine or something. No, no. that's Canada. <laughs> I was gonna say. Yeah. That doesn't sound good. 
they did it because the, they made these sandwiches and the the people um, before smart warehousing came along they, it was all the fruit vendors and the vegetable vendors so they come in and they only had like you know minutes for lunch or to eat so they just said here here's your sandwich and all the sides are right on top in the sandwich like enjoy yourself <laughs> yeah okay. it's great it's a Pittsburgh thing you get to Pittsburgh uh, no, nah, I haven't actually been uh, to Pittsburgh. Yeah, only, only, only. Uh, I think I flew through there one time, but that's about it. Yeah, it's the least sunny place in America, apparently. Poor guys. <laughs> I've been there a couple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. It's, yeah, it's whatever. Well, uh, look us up here in Minneapolis, both you and Kelly. Kelly's been uh, in the background uh, from Smart Warehousing. She's got a valuable position over there in marketing, and yeah, we'd be happy to take you out. I don't know what we got. We got what. Baker's ribs. Baker's ribs. Ted nine, Ted's nineteenth. In terms of uh, bar, barbecue spots. Okay. Yeah. I love it. I love I'm the not, new Yeah, I'm not. I'm not guy. claiming they can dethrone anything from KC, but <laughs> you at least won't, you won't go hungry. You, <laughs> you know? won't go yeah. hungry. <laughs> as long as it's good, I'm good. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Well, our meeting software is barking at us saying uh, it's going to cut us off here in a couple of minutes. So Apparently we need to go to the premium membership. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to have to pony up. But uh, I, I, any uh, any closing words or things you'd like to uh, throw at us before we... Uh... Yeah, is there a best way for people to get a hold of y'all? Uh, yeah, so we have uh, we have our Smart Warehousing website, smartwarehousing.com. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we... We have a lot of information on there about our innovation hub, like we mentioned. Um, a lot of the cool new technologies that we're uh, looking at. We have customer case studies mm-hmm. for their uh, satisfaction with our fulfillment services. And just our warehouse locations, we have, um, I believe, 39 uh, warehouses across the U.S. in 14 different markets. So oh. we uh, offer um, uh, 100% two-day coverage across the contiguous U.S. So, wow. uh, yeah, we, we can handle all your fulfillment needs. And um this has been very, very fun. Had a great conversation. Thank you guys for having me on. I uh, love to talk tech. Love to talk cool new technology and what we're doing. And you guys have some cool concepts too. Love to hear about the uh, the uh, the baseball uh, order gamification. Absolutely, man. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I, I can ramp on happen. that for a while. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm tired of standing in lines. It's 2022. You know where I'm sitting. You know my. You don't even give me a paper ticket anymore. So let's get let's connect the dots. La 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 la. So yeah. Yeah, there's an app. There's an app for everything now. So why not that? Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it, um, uh, yeah, just thanks for having me on. I'd love to chat anytime. Yeah, if you got something new coming out, or you um, you, you know, something cool bakes out of that innovation center, and we want to know about it, so come back on. Okay. All right. For Thank sure. you. Happy awesome. Friday. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Happy Friday. Thank Take you. Care, Thanks. Y'all. Bye. And that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed your time with us, please like and subscribe. Keep the letters coming to automationadvocates at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. The opinions in this show are ours and not representative of our employers. While normally polished, occasionally we might slide off the rails and into the ditch. Forgive us for that one. This episode's brought to you by Newton's Ninja. Do you work with load cells? Pressure transducers? Newton's Ninja is a simple and nimble force verification system weighing in at less than 25 pounds. Newton's Ninja enables users to calibrate load cells in compression and tension up to 5,000 pounds of force. Each Newton Ninja's kit 
includes a reference load cell and a digital indicator, each with a NIST traceable certificate. Head over to newtonsninja.com, use the code ADVOCATES to get a $300 discount on any of the three sizes of Newton's Ninja kits. That's newtonsninja.com.